Father God, we pray and ask that you would guide our time together as we open your word. Lord, we don't need more preachers just spouting out what they want to say, but God, we need your word. We need you to speak of our lives. We need to be changed by you. Because God, we have neighbors, we have family members, we have co-workers, we have classmates that need you. So because of that, we want to be prepared. May this be a rallying point for our lives that we would be equipped today to go share our faith and to be bold in doing so. Lord, people need you. And so, Lord, help us to take you with us wherever we go. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, I want to talk with you all today about who's your one. We started a few weeks back talking about we all know someone that needs Jesus. We know someone who is in need of his help. We know someone who needs the Lord. So because of that, we should identify who that one is and pursue them with the gospel. Now, let's remind ourselves, yes, you should live out your life and act like Jesus. You should, with all you have, pursue him. You should, in all your interactions, show forth Jesus. However, don't just do actions. Share the truth of the gospel. Your actions and my actions do not save people from hell. The gospel does. Jesus' saving blood for us saves them. So, be reminded, yes, go act like a Christian, but then talk like one as well. And be prepared to do so. Today we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting with verse 8. It says this, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or me as prisoner, Paul writes. Instead, share in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which is given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This is how, this has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immorality to light uh, through the gospel. For the gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed." Because I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Let's just go right to text. Paul gives an equation to Timothy where he tells him these words. Let's look at it together. Verse 8. So don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. We have an equation that we have to identify today. We are either ashamed or we are emboldened in the gospel. Those are the two paths that he gives Timothy. Don't be ashamed, but get after it. Share in the suffering. Rely on the power of God. We have that ability today, and it will determine what we do with our todays and our tomorrows. Either the gospel will embolden us and shape us and lead us, or we have to be ashamed of it. There's only two options that he gives to Timothy. Don't be ashamed. Don't hide it away. Don't push it away. Share it. Okay, let's be, let's give kind of a, an illustration to this, if you will, with me. 
Some of you have been to one of our big box stores lately and noticed they changed the checkout counters. How many of y'all have complained about that? Let's just raise our hands. We're, we're family. We can agree, okay? There's a few of you, right? Because you don't work there, right? You just shop there. You, you don't get a paycheck for checking your own stuff out. I've heard it. I've seen it. And here's the craziest part about that. How many of you so far have used the digital checkout? Anybody in the room? Okay, let's just be honest. Didn't have to stand in line long, did you? Didn't have to wait for the person to not scan it right four times to find out, oh, i got to flip it over. You did it yourself. You're beep, put it in your bag. You got to put all the stuff you wanted in that bag the way you wanted it to be. Your bread wasn't crushed. Your eggs made it home. But I bet when we walked out, we all said the same thing, didn't we? Well, I should have got a paycheck for doing that. I mean, who do they think we are? You see, we declare stuff all the time. And what we experience, we want to talk about. We share it openly. That's how the gospel should be to us. Willing to share it with everybody around us. The problem is this. For many of us, we love the thought of the gospel. It just hasn't changed us. So why would we share it if it hasn't changed us? Because see, our willingness to share the gospel shows our dependence upon God. Our willingness to share the gospel shows do we really depend upon him or not. That's why Paul tells Timothy, so don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me as prisoner. Instead, share in the suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us, he says, and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which is given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. When you're saved, you're called. When you're saved, you're called. And listen, I don't believe that when you get saved, you necessarily know exactly the ends of that. But I can tell you what God calls everybody to be his disciple, to listen to him, to follow after him, and to pursue people around him with the gospel. You're called to that. You're called to share what you've been given. You're called to take the truth of what was poured into your life and to pour it into other people. It's the greatness of who you get to be. When I was growing up, our football team, when we would start in two-a-days, we all had the same moment. We would walk in and we would get fitted for shoulder pads, we would put on our cleats, we'd get the, the, the mouth guard that was dipped in hot water and you got to bite down upon. I don't think they do that anymore, do they? That was awful. Um, that's probably why we all got cavities, by the way. Anyways, that and we didn't brush our teeth. But anyways, but then you put on a helmet. But when we got there, our helmets had no logos on it. They had no logos because we had to earn the logo. I remember our coach saying, go earn your logo. Get out on the practice field. Run hard. Learn the playbook. Earn your grades. Do whatever it takes, but earn the logo on your helmet. And I can remember guys at the first of every practice, the coaches say, okay, today so-and-so is getting their logo, and everybody cheer, woo, yeah, good job. And it was so amazing in your moment where all your friends got to cheer for you for getting the sundown S on the side of your helmet. It was brilliant. 
It was awesome. You felt like you earned something. The funny thing about it is God pours so much onto us. There's nothing we could do to earn anything. But he gives you him from the get-go. And he says, tell people about it. Because you know what happened in the locker room? If so-and-so got the logo, they would start talking about it. Hey, you see that? Uh Oh, you don't have one? I'm so sorry for you. Maybe if you worked a little bit harder, maybe if you did a little more, you would get what I got. And you'd be like, you know what? I think I can beat him up and just take his helmet. Coach will never know. Put Clayton on the front so he thinks it's me. But, you know, as we kind of went through, you started to have a desire. You ever been around somebody that instinctively shares their faith everywhere they go? Just everywhere they go. It could be with anybody. They just look at them and go, hey, before you leave, can I ask you a question? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? It almost throws you off, right? You're like, oh, you can do that? And they're like, yeah, with everybody. Like, that's what I, we get to do that. You see, they're walking around with a logo, and so are we, but we don't have any idea we got it. We always have been given it from the very get-go. You have everything it takes to share your faith. God poured it into you the moment he saved you. Being saved should be talked about. When we see stories of, of people in Houston being rescued, you know what instinctively they do to those people? They go get a camera and they put it in front of them and they say, tell us about your moment. And they say things like, I was in my home and I couldn't get out. And a man came by on a boat and he saved me. You've seen it on TV, haven't you? A testimony pours forth from experience. So today I'm going to ask before we even finish the sermon, have you experienced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know him? Do you know for certain that you know him? If you do, you're called to share that testimony. And listen, you're called because of God's purpose and grace in Jesus. You're called because of that. Listen to it. Paul tells Timothy this. He says in verse 9, he has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us, to us in Christ Jesus. When? From the beginning of time. From the beginning of time, God started your calling. You don't even know it. God was calling you from the very get-go to join him. And that is big. And I want you just to see the vastness of that for a moment with me. Who am I that God would say to me, Kyle, I love you, and I sent Jesus for you. And I know it's not based upon how bad you've been or how good you can be. You need Jesus because he can save you. If God could say that to little me, and I'm a nobody, listen, you're a somebody and God loves you so much. That's massive. And then he finishes with some words. Verse 10. This is how now, uh, this has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He says this, God takes the gospel and he takes everything that has life and everything that has death and he puts it all in view of the gospel. Nothing is hidden. Nothing. And so with all of that being said, listen to what happens next. With that in light of gospel, for the gospel 
I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher. And that's why I serve these things. Paul says, listen, because God called me into that, I'm going to suffer. And I have. He tells Timothy from the get-go, don't be afraid. Don't give up. Instead, suffer for the gospel. And Paul's now telling him, that's why I'm suffering. And then Paul says these words, but I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Paul is not saying that God was going to rescue him. Paul is not telling Timothy, God is going to save me from my imprisonment, from my chastisement, from my ridicule. In fact, he tells him inside of this, that's why I'm doing this. I'm a prisoner for this cause, but I'm not ashamed. You see, that's what we do with prisoners today in our society, don't we? We cast shame upon them. We tell them that they're not of worth. And it's the same in Paul's day. He felt ashamed. He thought people were pointing at him. But Paul was not ashamed. He was thankful. He was thankful because he was suffering for the cause of Christ, and he wasn't going to come away from it. He was going to declare it no matter what. He would share Christ as a free man and as a prisoner. He would share Christ as he's being beaten and as he's having a good day eating. Paul was not ashamed because the gospel changed him. And when the gospel changes us, we want it to change other people. And so we think that we got to tell them this kind of gospel. If you'll invite Jesus into your heart, nothing bad will ever happen to you ever again. And that's a lie. We tell them things like this. If you'll receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and give $10 at church, he'll give you $1,000 back. That's a lie. It's not truth. Or how about this? If you'll come to know Christ, immediately, all of your family will pursue him. It's a lie. We wish it would be. I've got family members and you've got family members. We wish we're pursuing after Jesus. Breaks us. And we know that if their life were to end today, they would spend an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And that should be heartbreaking enough for us. But you and I have also been given a few things that they don't understand. Peace, love, hope, self-sustainability in Christ. He is enough for us. He is our daily bread and he is our avenger. He is the lover of our souls and he is our high priest. We are given ways to connect with him, eyes to see, ears to hear, the Holy Spirit. And because of this, we are filled richly by him. And they believe that getting saved is only a reason why you have to go to church every Sunday. That is not salvation. Salvation is the indwelling of God and the emptying of you. Because you and I are dead men walking. Our flesh will not survive. Our best will not make it. At best, it will be burned up. But my best doesn't matter. My best doesn't hold a candle to his best working within me and within you. And because of God in you, there is hope to give away. Because of God in you, there is love to give away. 
Because of God in you, there is a day to wake up to and a night to go to bed to, knowing that we breathe by his breath. Today, you have been given so much in Christ. You have been filled up completely. And it says that in Christ, we are to be filled to overflowing in him, in Christ. So I believe this. When saved people are really saved, they splash on people with him. Can't help it. It's just what happens. You ever seen what it looks like when you ask a, a child to go fill a bucket full of water? They can fill it up, and they can do a good job at that, and then when they try and carry it, what happens? It spills. It spills. That's what the church should be. It should be that when we come together on Sundays, we fill up with all that God could possibly give us. And we've been filling all through the week with all that God could possibly give us so that as we move, we spill out over the world. It's not just our actions. It's the very words that God gives us to plant in our mouths. So I want to encourage you with this. You don't have to rehearse the gospel. The Holy Spirit will do it. He's asking who will go. Will you go? Will you take the gospel with you? Will you share with people around you? There's a world full of good men and good women. I want you to know that. I mean, moral relativism, there's lots of good people. But good doesn't save. Jesus saves. You need to take him with you. So let's finish. Do you know who you have believed in? Do you know? So in this passage, we get Paul telling Timothy, but I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. Paul wasn't ashamed because he had his trust in someone that would never leave him. And we've all been left, haven't we? We've all had those moments we felt alone and isolated, departed from, pushed away. Jesus never leaves us. Those in Christ are never forsaken. He holds them. He sustains them. That's you. That's me. We are loved by God. Not only do you know who you believed in, I want to ask you a question. Do you think, God, that he can use someone like you? Do you think he can use you today to share the gospel with someone? So I, I want to try something before we finish today. I just want you to say a word in response. So I'm going to give you the word and then I'm going to ask you a question. You ready? So let's try it together. This is very um, Sesame Street, but we're going to try it together. I'm going to say a word. You repeat it. Ready? Yes. You are good. Okay. We're going to do it one more time just so that we're all together. Yes. Do you think that God can use someone like you? Okay, now that you know the word, I'm going to ask you to believe it. So before we go to our time of invitation, before we even get to that point, we'll get to there here in a second. I want to pray over you once more. So just bow your heads with me. Father God, I believe in this room are people who want to share their faith who have desired to do so but have 
always found a reason why not. But God, you can use them. God, you can equip them, and God, you can encourage them to say yes. Lord, you have always said that there's a harvest waiting. And that we should pray to the God of the harvest that he would send workers. Lord, count us in. Lord, equip us. Remind us that we're loved. Remind us that you fill us. Remind us that you sustain us. Remind us that it's not about us. It's about you. And we love you. And we need you. So help us to say yes. Lord, help us to say yes. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let me ask you again. Full belief. Do you believe that God can use someone like you? One more time. Believe. I believe it with all my heart because God can use someone like me. And I'll say it with you this time. Do you believe God can use someone like you? Yes. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. And let's not be ashamed. Let's not go backwards. Let's not retreat. Let's take the gospel with us. Let's be reminded that he has saved us. He will sustain us and he will lead us. Let's be reminded that we don't do the saving. He does. Let's remind ourselves that we don't have to give him all the steps. He will. God will do what he can do. And he can use me and you. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. And he will if you and I will go. Today, maybe you've never made a moment in your life where you would say, on this day, I will declare, I've got sin and I'm far from God. I need to repent. That's a, a word that just means to turn away, to give away that which you had and give in to God and let him take everything. That I repent of my sin and I turn to him because he is truth and he is Savior and he is Lord. And by his death, burial, and resurrection, I can have life. If that's you today and you've never done that, today you should. Today, you need to make him known. Today, you need to know before you leave this room, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? So today, maybe your yes is simply, Lord, I need you. And I want to say yes, that you would save my life. So maybe today is your yes. I'll be down here, Dale, Mark, John. Maybe you just need someone else to pray with you. You don't have to go very far. I promise you don't have to walk an aisle for that. People all around you would be willing to pray with you and just be alongside you. So here's what I'm going to ask them to do. I'm not asking them to come front. If you would pray with someone today, I'm just going to ask you to step out in the aisle here in a minute. Just stay right where you are. So you don't have to go far. Someone will pray with you right there, and they'll be available. You don't have to look around. They'll find you. You step out with them. They're going to point at you and say, me, you, yes. Today, you should know Jesus Christ. And if that's true for you, you make him known. Maybe today you just need a church family. You've been searching and you've looked and you believe this should be it. Come tell us. We'd love to talk to you about what that means. Maybe today it's just a day to come kneel and to pray for your one. Maybe you're praying for that one person that you're praying that God would speak into their lives and they would respond with yes. If that's you, maybe you just come and kneel and pray. Right where you are, pray. No matter what we do in the next few moments, don't waste these last few moments as we worship together. Really worship Jesus Christ deeply in this time.
I pray that you would search for his heart and that you would really pray and say, God, I want, when the question's asked, can God use someone like me that I would say yes? So Lord, speak over to my heart and equip me. What are we doing this time? Know this. God made a way for you through Jesus Christ. And today should be your day to accept that. Father God, we pray for this time of invitation again. May you speak of our lives and may you equip us and embolden us to say yes. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.